<laughs> so whatever it is what it is so mr zulik i want to thank you very much for coming on the podcast today i do appreciate it um how have things been going obviously with the shutdown i know you guys have just recently opened up which is amazing um the province kind of starts to open up but how have things been going otherwise uh, well we just we just reopened right like it's um and if we're going to compare to what was before, there is no, there is no comparison. Like you can't, you can't compare. It's like a different, we're talking about like a two different animals, right? We have, uh, we have restrictions from, uh, from the OJA, Muay Thai Ontario, all like all the arts that we teach, we have restrictions from like a public health. And, um, but the, Students are coming back. They are happy that they can come and somehow they can do jujitsu, right? Like uh, it will take like a little while until it goes back to what was before. But but at least they can they can do like a, they don't need to be at home like watching videos or or training with a buddy here and a buddy there. They can come to the academy and just just I think like. I'm, I'm talking to some people. At the end of the day, I think what most of the people was missing was just socializing, going back to the gym and talking to people, right? Yeah, I think I it's a, more that sorry, social interact. Yeah, more that social interaction, just so they could hang out with training partners or just be there on the mats and do something different. Exactly. So I wanted to ask you, because you, uh, you run two gyms. You have one out in Pickering, one in North York. What is, and you mentioned like there's, you run a lot of different programs in each one. What is like some of the red tape and like that you've had to get through and had to overcome and able to get reopened again, the way that you want to get opened? Well, at the end of the day, it's just talking to all the, getting the green light from all the PSOs, uh, as I said, like in one academy, I have uh, jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, and, and judo. The other one, I have jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, and uh, wrestling. So I got, I needed to get after like a four PSOs. Like all four PSOs got to give me the green light. Uh, and to be very honest to you, like, um, it wasn't like a different, it wasn't complicated because all the PSOs are talking and the guidelines of all the PSOs, they are pretty much the same, right? Like there, there is nothing, nothing really changes. Other, if we're talking to Muay Thai, yeah, you gotta, you gotta bring your own gloves. Uh, we're talking about jujitsu, you gotta bring your own gi. So like, yeah, like that all makes sense, right? So uh, nothing really crazy with the with the PSOs, and then. Um, after getting everything with the PSOs, talking to like uh, public health and bylaws, that was like a nightmare because everyone that you call, they tell you a different story. It's it's like I'm I'm talking to people that they have no idea what's going on, and I'm not even trying to push my side like I. So you get everything ready to reopen. The the, the PSO is telling you that you can reopen and now you call the, the public health and they tell you that you cannot open. I'm like, a, like I already passed that stage of, uh, I'm not even trying to ask you if I can open or not. Like that wasn't the question, 
right? The questions are, are different. Like the questions is like a, how many people can I have inside my gym? Because the way that I understand, the way that I see the rules, a gym that has like a thousand square feet might not have the same number of a gym that has like 10,000 square feet. So, so like I'm asking the questions like, okay, like how do I come up with a number to my two gyms? Like I have the space that I have on deep. So how do I come up? And now they're telling me that I cannot be open. Now you gotta step one step back. You gotta have a full conversation with them about how can you be open? Now you go back to the question that I had at the beginning. Okay, like now let's talk about how many people can I have? After 30 minutes explaining that you could be open, now we've got to go talk about how many people can I have? In my and every time you call, you're going to have a, you get a different answer. It's just crazy. It's like nobody knows what's going on. So you, you talk to five different people and you get five different answers, basically. Oh, yeah. If you talk to five different people, you're going to have five different answers. Yeah. Okay. So basically no hands are talking to each other. No, I get it. That's not like a hundred percent frustrating because you can't even like have a determination. Like how many students can you have one time? When can you actually open up properly? And then one of the guidelines when you have X amount of people in the place, right? So you have to keep changing your plans back and forth. Exactly. Then, then eventually we got, we got all the information that we needed and then we decided to open the academy because like I'm be like I, I was just honest. Like I, even on the OJA conversations that I have, uh, talking to Tony, talking to other people, like I couldn't, I can't open my two gyms if the guy if like I can only have ten people inside my gym. That's like mm -hmm. a, it is not working. Like I would it, just stay close. It would make no business or financial sense for you to do it, that. It makes at that no point. sense whatsoever to open that. Okay. We lose everybody or we're still there? No, you're there, you fucker. Okay. What are you? <laughs> I'm waiting on you, Mike. Sometimes fuck it's a show. So I... Fucking amateur hour over here. <laughs> if you guys want me to do the question, I can ask you guys the question. Too, if you guys want. Like, I think you might want to ask Aaron, like, <laughs> wait, what the fuck is going on with that beard during this? <laughs> I'm trying, man. I'm trying my best. COVID. <laughs> I got to shave soon. It's getting on my nerves. Not, it's not filling out the way I want it to. <laughs> now, Fernando, what I did want to ask you about, okay, so we see what's going on here in Canada. You're a business owner. You, you run, you know, two uh, jujitsu gyms and facilities. Um, and then you turn on the TV and you look in the U.S., you look at, you know, California, people are rolling there, no restrictions. You turn, you go look at Florida, people are training there, no restrictions. You go to, like, I think you even look at probably like places in Brazil, like what, what's, when you look at that, like what, and what's going on and what the restrictions are here, like, what are your, what are your thoughts as like a gym owner and like a jujitsu practitioner? Like when you see what's going on in the U S and what's going on in Brazil with everything that's going on. It, it is even hard to, to make any kind of comment on, on the whole COVID situation because it's something that's still new, right? Like uh, we, we don't know, like we always, we hope that 
whatever, people will get infected, nothing is going to happen that, uh, whatever the number that people dying is going to be minimum or something that they had some preconditions already. It, it's something that's so new and, and it never happened before in our lifetime and hopefully it's not going to happen again in our lifetime that like how you are going to, like at the end of the day, like I'm just hoping that whatever whatever people are doing in the United States, in Brazil, here is, is the right thing to do. Like uh, as a gym owner, like I'm trying to do what's the right thing to do. Like uh, at the beginning, we didn't know. I think nobody wants to shut down, but eventually we'll figure it out that that was the best thing to do. Uh, we kind of see the numbers there and I, that, that, that's happening today. And I'm glad that Canada did it what we did. Uh, I, I don't think it was the best thing at the beginning. I think it could be better, but again, like, a, like a, who am I to, to, to say what was the best? I'm not a doctor. I don't, I don't understand, right? So uh, maybe we could do a little bit better at the beginning. Like I liked, I liked that, that we did it, what we have done so far. And now it's time to, to reopen. Like the numbers, the numbers are not bad. Like we're, it looks like we are in good shape. Let's all reopen. Let's put the guidelines and let's make sure that all kinds of business out there, everyone is doing their guidelines and being as safe as possible. And, uh, and hopefully this is just going to die out. Like I just... Yeah, I think, like you said, like Canada's in a good spot as long as, and again, it's about creating guidelines and people adhering to the guidelines is a big thing, I think, yeah. where it's like people got to trust each other, especially in the clubs to like, hey, uh, whether it's designated training partners or whatever the, the guideline is for that academy, the trust is a big thing, but then also making sure we're holding everybody accountable to those guidelines as well. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, because like the, my worry is that like people go off the rails and they start doing whatever makeshift stuff that they think they want is correct, and then all well, of a sudden, well, the business the business needs to be held accountable for for their action, right? Like one mm -hmm. thing, one thing is you are doing everything right and you're following the guidelines, and someone that trains at, at your academy just goes to a bar on a weekend, gets infected come back to the gym and now he has contact with one or two people or ten, whatever the number is and now kinds of is spread inside your academy you have a problem right uh, that doesn't mean that's your fault like that doesn't mean it's, it's action and reaction or grace you might tell like a, like a, you gotta you gotta be doing your you gotta follow the guidelines and yeah and do everything proper like but um, there might be clubs that are going to do something different. Like it is, it is what it is. Like, I, um, like at the end of the day, I just hope that everyone does what's the right thing to do. And, uh, and again, like uh, most of the, most of the students, they are, that's what they want. They want to come back. They want to be safe too. And, and there are the two, uh, the two far ends of that. Like there is the guy that, it's not going to come back now until there is a vaccine or until there's no more cases and it's going to wait another three, six months, one year, whatever that time is. There is like 60% that wants to come back right now. 
and then there is those guys that don't think that the virus is a virus that think it's just like a you think it's fake news yeah it's just fake news it's not killing anyone like um, film your hospital it's a conspiracy right they're killing people there i mean i think you have one of your students that i think believes a lot of that right well i probably have more than one like i have i i have like probably like a good handful of people that they think and again like i'm not gonna i i don't think we should be argued that's not like uh i'm i'm in i'm in between two right like um we see the numbers today and it's not like a huge deal yeah there is people getting sick there's people that are gonna die yeah but you know what i could be driving to the gym and get hit by another car and die too yeah i think at the end of the day like of course like we got to take precautions we can't do anything to put other people in danger but at the same time at the end of the day exactly. we, we got to go back to living our lives i agree 100 with the guidelines let's follow the plan and there are going to be risks like everything else that we do in life right yeah i think i think you nailed it i think that's like the best message i think going forward um i want to pivot a little bit one thing i wanted to ask you since you know we're talking about jujitsu how did you get started in jujitsu so fernando zulik was a, a small boy growing up in sao paulo brazil how did he find out about jujitsu? Um, well, I, I used to play soccer, like, uh, and, and I would probably not going to go anywhere with soccer. Like, I tried just playing, like, small clubs and, like, um, uh, and at some point, like, I was 18, 19, I had, like, a bad injury on my, uh, on my knee. I got to, okay, do I keep trying? Don't try, just let it go. So I decided just to go to university and, and just forget about soccer. Right? Uh, but I always liked I always liked sports. Like I, I was always involved in sport. So I said like I gotta find something that's gonna keep me like active. I don't want to go to university, find a job, yada yada, and and not be doing something like a, a sport. Right? Uh, I first started with kickboxing. And my kickboxing life was literally short. The first kick in the head, I said, okay, you know what? This is at the end of the day, I wanted to do because of the soccer mentality, like I want to do something that I can train a hundred percent. I want to. I want to go. I want to go hard, like a hundred percent. I want to train hard, and like honestly, like in kickboxing, you can't. You can't really train hard every session. Like you. No, you, no, you're gonna have brain damage. Like you can't exactly, do that, right? So, so yeah, like a first, first couple sessions that we went like a full on. I said, you know what? This is gonna fucking. This is gonna be a disaster, right? <laughs> Um, so when I, and that was like for three months, I did kickboxing for three months. I stopped, uh, the city that I'm from in Brazil, like we used to, at that time, we used to host the, the Brazilian national team in judo. So there was a lot of like all the high level judo competitors. They were in the city that I'm from in Brazil. So what's what, what? Sorry, uh, don't want to cut you off. What's the name of that city? São Caetano. Okay. okay. So uh, it's just like a, it's just like a Mississauga to to Toronto. 
to, okay. to São Caetano to São Paulo. It's just like a like a suburb of, of São Paulo. Uh, so I started judo. There was lots of good uh, gym, not gyms, but because it's it's all the national and, and provincial athletes that they train. There's like a, the little clubs, right? So I was just doing judo for like a six months. And um, we went to a cottage, like a bunch of my friends, to watch the final of the World Cup, 1994, Brazil in Italy. Oh, I remember that. I was like six at the time. So yeah, 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 yeah. I was probably six too. So <laughs> you were also six at the time. <laughs> <laughs> we were all six. We're not talking about age here. <laughs> so like we were at this cottage, we were having fun, like a bunch of guys, like like a 12 or 14 guys. And I'm just we were talking, I'm talking to this buddy and like a Oh, I'm doing judo, yada, yada, yada. And my buddy comes to me and like, oh, I'm doing jujitsu. I'm a blue belt. And I'm like, oh, I'm like a, a blue, a, a gray blue belt in judo too. Like, a, I'll toss you on your head. He's like, no, you're not tossing in my head. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll arm bar you. Like, I'll, it's like, a, I'm like, okay, so let's fight now. Let's go to the grass. So we go to the grass and we're fighting. And he just beats the shit out of me. <laughs> he puts me like in all sort of submissions that I never imagined it, it, it was I'm like how like what's going on here right and was at the same time as, as UFC 1 and 2 93, 94 right uh, I wasn't really big on mm -hmm. the UFC but then my buddy said oh I'm doing Jiu Jitsu you should watch it this tape this UFC kind of thing like a that's all they are doing, and they're beating up with like a judo, sambo, kickboxing, everyone. And then I'm like, oh, let me see this, right? And I watch a few tapes, and I just call my friend. I'm like, bro, just take me to your academy. I want to forget about judo. I want to do jiu-jitsu, right? And he took me to his academy in, uh, in some, back in San Caetano. Uh, and that's how I started, like July, June, July, 1994. Wow. And so when did uh, the transition from training in uh, Brazil to Canada happen? So I moved to, so I'm a, I'm a software engineer. I came to Canada. I didn't come because of jujitsu. I came to Canada to work as a, as a software engineer. Uh, and I was just like teaching some nights just because I, just because I liked it. Mm. Like, uh, I was like, uh, at the end of the day, like I was training, uh, and one of my best friends at that time, Jesse, he was teaching at, an, at this academy and he was leaving this academy to go teach in another academy. And he told me, he said, you know what? Why don't you go meet the owner and just just teach a class a week or two? I'm like, yeah, you know what? Like, I don't mind. Like, I'll, I'll go teach him. So, uh, so he hooked me up. I started teaching some classes a night. And after a couple of years there, I just decided to open my own place. Gotcha. So, so when, um, 
I'm sorry, no, which place? Sorry, sorry no, Aaron, you're, you're cutting off Fernando. What, what the fuck? I didn't mean to. I was trying to figure out what academy it was uh, you were teaching out of. Oh, we don't, we, you don't, up your own we don't discuss. We don't discuss that here. Oh, we don't no, discuss it. No, we don't discuss. No, I have no problem. I used to teach at uh, Revolution. Oh, okay, gotcha. They had a first location in uh, like a Thornhill. Area. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like Vaughn Thornhill, like around that. Oh area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they right. opened the second one, uh, just south of four one in uh, Don Valley Parkway, around that yeah, that area. Don Valley and, and Lawrence kind of thing. Gotcha. No, because I'm trying to I'm trying to pull my memory back because the first tournaments that I remember Fernando being involved with were, were the in-house Franco Bearing tournaments at U of T. Yes. That's yes. We used to do the in-houses for the for the Franco Bearing team, right? So uh, yeah, that was like a fun time. Yeah. yeah. This is what I have to deal with here, honestly. Yeah, like I don't know. Like I have my my two kids are here probably on like on Fortnite too. So everyone is the internet is like a. They're probably sniping and dabbing on people right now. Yeah. Building, I don't, I don't get that game on. Have you it's, played it's, Fortnite? That is so fast, so like I get dizzy though. Building forts. Okay, hold on a second. We hear you. You're trapped. I'm trapped. Yeah, you're trapped. Oh, there you are. Hey, you're back. We're uh, okay. We left off with uh, so Fernando. Now, how did you get involved with? Um, so, what was your like first affiliation in Brazil? Was that also Franco Bearing? Or is that something that you um, was that like your first affiliation that you started training with here when you got to Ontario? I used to be on a, like my first first academy in Brazil was um, Yamazaki. They were like the guy was a black belt under the Yamazaki in Brazil, and then he stopped teaching at that place he went to another academy a little bit further and uh, i really liked the way that he used to teach and i went with him but at the end of the day was it was just too far for me it was just the other place was just way more convenient for me so i came back and then when i came back he was an academy affiliated with uh, ryan gracie uh, I stayed there for like another year or so and I started like working in Brazil. The schedule wasn't really a good schedule for me. I ended up finding another academy nearby that they were like a, uh, a Flavio Bering affiliated. Right? So then I was training oh, okay. this Flavio Bering so when I moved to Brazil, uh, I was training in an academy that was like a flag bearing, like affiliated in Brazil. So in those two years, three, probably three, I've been like in three gyms. So the real, the real Creonte, like I'm, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, like, that's 
It's a, it's okay. You're you're talking to like the the biggest creant here, Aaron Gall, who's uh, oh what on this pod. We we, we established this already. We had a, we actually had Marco Costa on a previous podcast, and we were switched one Aaron. academy. <laughs> I did it once. I only did it once. <laughs> had to like I had no choice. <laughs> it didn't make any from, sense. From day from day one, I've I've been I've been the the yellow triangle forever. <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, the one thing I wanted to ask, so another thing I wanted to um, discuss with you. So you're teaching at Rev MMA, you, and now you're, you're opening up action reaction. So that's a big leap. Now, what made you decide one day, you know, you know what, I want to, I want to start my own thing. I want to start my own school. Like, where did that come from originally? Uh, to be very honest to you, like it wasn't really, it wasn't really a plan when I was teaching at Rev or when I was a few classes that I would teach, like I used to, like a Marco Costa, uh, Monkey, Justin Bruckman, they were, they were all my, my partners, right? Like I was never planning on, on teaching or having my academy. It, it just happened like it wasn't, was natural. Like uh, I was teaching a revolution and it was just like um, the direction the direction that the gym was going and what I believe the martial art is, like we were going in different directions. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So I Can you, and I, what were the, sorry, go ahead. I tried to change a few things and I am to be very honest, like I changed a few things, but I couldn't change like the majority of the things that I didn't think was the right thing to do. So at some point, I just I just decided to leave, and and I think it was like a three years or four years of revolution. I don't really remember. And and during that time, you start with okay, I, I really like to teach. You know what? I'm just gonna leave and open my own academy because if I go to another place that needs an instructor now, I might be tied to the same problem that I have now. Like he might want to do the things the way he wants and I might disagree. So if I have my own place, I do whatever I want. Like I, I don't, I don't right. need to do anyone, right? Well, can you elaborate on some of the things that you wanted to do versus maybe the direction of things that you didn't like? Well, one of the, one of my, so as soon as I started teaching, the name was Six Gear Jiu-Jitsu. It wasn't, it wasn't Jiu-Jitsu, it wasn't Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it was Six Gear Jiu-Jitsu. And the owner, he has his reasons to do that. Um, and when I got there, I said, look, like, I'm going to be very honest with you, like, I don't know. I don't know what six year jujitsu is. There's only, I only know one jujitsu. Like you either call this, I can teach you jujitsu for you, or I can teach Brazilian jujitsu. Well, like a, those are the, but it's the same. Like the six year, I have no idea what that is, right? So I gotta, we gotta change that name. Like right now, whatever flyer, poster, like whatever, advertise you have with that name this, this gotta go right uh, one of the things that I never that I never changed was the belt system 
right? Like um, instead of stripes, he would do yellow, yellow, the same, the same kids color, they do yellow for the adults. Like yellow, orange, so yellow, green, yellow, green orange, green, green, whatever. Right? So like I'm, I'm like, a, this, this is not what I'm, but again, like I'm not the owner. I got some stuff you got to give up and, and you keep, there were, there were more things that I would prefer not to mention. Yeah, no worries. No worries. So, um, yeah, but at the end of the day, like the combination, the combination of a couple things, like you never leave a place because, oh, I don't like one thing. Like, yeah, one thing, just suck it up. It's not a big deal, right? So, um, yeah, there's like a couple things that I didn't like and I decided just to, to leave and, and um, open my own place. Nice. Um, another thing, another thing I wanted to ask you about that as well is, so you, I think there's a lot of pros and cons. So like, for example, what me and Aaron are doing with, you know, all, all five of the students that we have at lifetime. Well, we have a little bit more, but, but, um, there's like a pro there's pros and cons, I think, to, you know, working for somebody and, you know, teaching at a place and having that security versus, you know, opening up your own facility and it's, you know, it's make or break at that point. Um, what is some advice that you would give to somebody who is in your position who wants to open up their own school potentially one day? Like what are some, what are some advice that you would give? Cause now that you, you built your, basically your school from, from scratch to maybe possibly one of the biggest competition schools that, that's currently in Ontario, maybe even in the country. Well, I think the number one thing that I would tell like anyone that wants to own their own school is if you do not understand business, you should not be a business owner. Like I, I, I suffered for two years because I didn't understand business. I thought that I thought that knowing jujitsu would be enough to do to have a jujitsu school, and that's not the reality. Right? Like uh, you gotta you gotta know business. So go do some business courses. There's a lot of stuff out there that's like uh, it's geared towards like. Um, martial arts schools or, or fitness school they are all very similar and uh, and just go learn some business first because just knowing jiu-jitsu or or whatever martial art you guys do like uh, uh you guys are going to suffer the common theme because we've asked that question a couple times and basically that is the biggest thing everybody says they're saying if jujitsu is great and you need to know that, but if you do not know the business side, the back end stuff, you're going to hurt. And it's, you could be closing the doors sooner than you think. To close the doors at any point, but it was just frustrating and, and hard to see all their academies doing great. And now you know that you can do better and you're like, and you, and you don't. And you don't understand, you don't know the reasons. You're like, how, how is this possible? Like, how is A, B, and C doing so great? And I'm here, like, I'm working super, super hard. And, and I'm not doing as good as, as A, B, and C, right? Uh, 
you gotta be the combination of like working hard and working smart. You gotta know what you are doing because you can work as hard as you want, but if you're not doing the right thing, like it's not gonna work. So what was it kind of like the, um, the spark that was able to kind of get things going? Was it just being persistent and trying new things all the time or was there something else specifically? Like a business, like a business model, right? Like uh, to be very honest to you, like uh, when I went to my first business course, like I came back with a list of 50 things, like 50, like five zero, 50 things that I needed to change at my academy. But now I'm not gonna change everything at the same time because first everything costs, every change that you do, it costs money, right? Mm -hmm. And if you change everything at the same time, you don't know if it's working or if it's not working because I might go to a course that tells you or us to do whatever. Guys, you guys got to do this plan here. That doesn't mean that's going to work for me. It might work for me, it might not work for you. There are other things that it might not be something that I really like to do. And even though it might generate some money, it might be good. That's not just you. It does not have your personality so i'm not gonna do that or you would do the same thing that i'm not doing just because i don't i don't feel like doing i don't like that right so yeah like you gotta put your head in the business and and it's not just jujitsu it's not just teaching good classes i think that's an important point it's not just be hey i'm gonna win a world title and open up a school and i'm just gonna get all these students i think I think it's a very important message that you bring. Like there's a very, there's a lot of fundamental business practices that you need to put, put forward as well. Yeah. Saying it's like, there was a point where like, again, you guys are rising. Your team is growing. So like, what was that evolution point? Like, when did that kind of start? Where it was like, okay, was it just that? It was another thing on your list that you needed to change. And you're like, okay, this is what we're going to do now. Well, like I like, I, I really like jujitsu. Right? Like I don't, I don't have a business jujitsu and work there because you make some money and, and it's your job. I really, I really like, I have like a passion to see jujitsu. Like I would go, like I go out like every year I go to wards in June. And of course I always have a team, but like uh, I could have another black belt that's competing and he's coaching everyone and I don't need it to go. But I will go just to watch, uh, just to watch jujitsu and see what's going on. Like I really, I really, ha I really like jujitsu to understand the game, understand the rules. I wanna, when I open the academy, I wanna have uh, the best academy. I don't wanna just have like a, a jujitsu academy and just be average i don't i don't like it to be average like i want to have the best academy i want to have the best jiu-jitsu team and if you want to say in the world in the world but i just want to have the best jiu-jitsu team that i can have and we will see how far that's gonna go so i will do everything that i can do for the jiu-jitsu team for action and reaction 
to have the best thing, whatever it takes. That's that's a reality. And to do that, there are, of course, there are things that you gotta do. Like you gotta be teaching good classes. You gotta have, um, uh, uh, like, how can I say that? You gotta have like a way, like a, I, I'm a really, I believe in, on drills. Like if your team is not drilling, and if you do not have a system in class, you are not like, it's not gonna, like the team is not gonna grow. So the two things combined, drilling the techniques and having a system, the position one goes with the position two, position three, position four, and just everything connects in the system, that that's how it should be. Right? I don't believe that the way that I learned jiu-jitsu in the past, that's not how I teach today. Like I didn't, we didn't have a system. Like we would train hard, even in Brazil, we would train super hard, but there was no system and there was no drills at that time. We would do yeah. the class and every class would be, oh, I feel like teaching this today. Boom, I'm gonna teach you guys how you pass the guard this way. How you, tomorrow I'm gonna show you a sweep, then I'm gonna show you a submission. But you will end up learning all the individual pieces, but you have no system, you can't connect. So once I start studying jujitsu, like I saw that you can't just, you can't just feed the people like different, parts because they are not connecting anything so absolutely i think uh you basically said it it's uh you can't just okay i'm going to show up to class i'm going to teach a random technique I, I think the days of that i think are over i think there's a lot more structure i think is what you're what you're saying exactly you gotta have a structure and you know what and there's nothing wrong with uh, with uh, just not having a system like a I'm I'm fine with that. It's not the way that I like. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm right, right? I'm just saying this is that's the formula that I believe is the right thing to have the best competition team, right? And and it's working. It is working so far. So like I can't I can't complain. No, I think you're right. I think if you even look at a lot of the top guys like Gordon Ryan, for example, like he has a system of like. He's in this position. He already automatically knows how you're going to react to that position exactly. and how he's going to attack off of each reaction. Exactly. It's the act. It's the action, and then the reaction. Yeah, like I have, I have heard that somewhere. You know what I mean? Like it's. So yeah, like if uh, you got you gotta have a system, guys. Otherwise, it doesn't. It, it, honest, like a, for me, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I think well, it, um, it goes. Go ahead. Go ahead, Aaron. I think it goes back to the evolution, right? Like the evolution of how you teach and how you how you learned and how you're going to make it grow more, right? So get that system going and how do people learn faster and how do you get more successful quicker? Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah, it makes more. It makes lots of sense. Like at the end of the day, like um, I probably wasn't teaching classes the way I teach today when I first started, right? Like I knew you start studying and getting better. And, and it takes time. Like, um, like I probably made all the mistakes teaching classes that you guys can imagine. Like, I, I probably made them all, right? So, um, 
and and there's nothing wrong too like there are the days that you got you you come to class and you're planning to do something on that on that system is the sequence but like there is the day that you're gonna get to class and you're gonna say you know what guys like man get your partner let's just roll for two hours like there's there's nothing wrong with that right but just don't mm -hmm. Don't start feeding the techniques just like all over the place because that doesn't make any sense. You need a combination of drilling and pohana. Absolutely, yeah. Um, what, sorry, point, go ahead. Then if you get to a point that you have that many students that you have classes for white belts, you have classes that they are just drills, you have the class that you show your system, Right, the, the advanced classes, right? So uh, that that would be the ideal scenario. But sometimes it's hard when you're beginning, like when you're smaller gym and you're beginning now. On that first class, like you only have a few classes per week, and, and now you have a group of white belts, a group of collar belts that they are recreational people, and a group of guys that they want to compete. Now, how you're going to structure a class when you have three people, three groups of people in class that they are totally different and they need different, like, instructions? Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's hard. So, I have a question. So, obviously, you run probably one of the most prestigious tournaments in Ontario and probably Canada, as we discussed before. But why on earth would you keep hiring an insufficient referee like Michael Breyers, who always <laughs> screws stuff up? Because I know what I'm doing, and if they hired Aaron, it would probably be an even bigger disaster. That, that's if we if I hire Aaron to put on that area, I don't think that area will ever end. But like. Uh, <laughs> Like, um, no, Briars, Briars being a referee for a long time, you know what I mean? Like, everyone, like, um, like every referee, like, we all, we all do mistakes, right? When, uh, when I run the Ontario Open, like, I run 14 areas. So now, I got to have 28 referees. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be, they're not going to be all awesome referees like you try you try to get the best but now when we're talking about having 28 like uh we don't have that many in ontario like i usually i gotta bring people from outside right to be referees and uh and there's always a referee that's a little bit better than others and, and it is it is what it is we don't have uh, that many it, it is hard man being referee it's like a hard is probably the worst job of the day. Like I, like I referee a few times. I'm, I'm not doing a lot of refereeing now. I used to do more, just because the team grew so fast and so big that now I go to the tournaments and I can't. Like I would like to do more, but it's just like a my priority is just being with my team. Absolutely. No, so basically, 
Sorry, but basically what Fernando is saying is he hires me because he's absolutely desperate and he needs that 28th <laughs> referee slot. <laughs> well, well, shit. Let's just see what Pretty Mike Ryder is doing this week. You see, you see the very open list of referees. Mike Ryder is the number 28. So like literally like yeah. – Last one in that. In I'm that actually game. like I'm actually number like 67, but you called like about 30, 35 people before, and they're just like, "No, nah, man, I'm sorry." And I'm like, "Fuck, just call Mike then. <laughs> he'll he'll do it for like a slice of pizza or something." Yeah, he will get like a like a six inch subway and find it. <laughs> that's uh, that's actually uh, I want to actually talk about the Ontario Open a bit because that's actually like one of the the biggest tournaments in Ontario, maybe even in the country as well. So how did that, how did that start for you? I know we, we had Tony Isaacs on a while ago. He was talking about kind of like the evolution of uh, tournaments in Ontario. Uh, he gave a lot of credit to yourself. Um, he gave a lot of credit to George Burrito and a lot of other people in Ontario that helped to, to kind of, I guess you could say modernize the, the jujitsu scene here because before it was kind of just, Hey, you show up, you pay money. Uh, yeah, it, you weigh in at 8 a.m. You fight at midnight. Um, it was brutal before. Like uh, it was really, it was really brutal. Like I for for three. So before doing the first Ontario Open in 2009, for uh, I think I was refereeing the tournament. The tournament since 2005, like jostling bravado tournament. Uh, Ascension, even Ascension, they had a different name before. It was like a, uh, I don't even remember. There was a not Ascension. We used to be, we used to be called something different. Anyways, like a big, I was helping all the tournaments, refereeing. Like we used to do the the people would register at the door. I remember people registering at the door, and me helping Omar with the Ascension. We were just writing down the brackets. As as people are resolute, I remember, I remember that. <laughs> like uh, it was just like insane. The tournament would never end. It was crazy. Um, then we got back. Like we got all everyone together. It was me, George, Omar Salvosa, Tony, Ricardo Valea. Uh, and we decided, guys, we gotta, we gotta change. There was a lot of to do with the OJA too, and I think Tony. Uh, 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 Fernando's frozen. Hello, are you alive? He's trapped. He was at the oh. same time. We all got together and said, guys, like at the tournaments, this needs, it needs to get better. Like how, how we are gonna do that? If we do everything at one time in the first tournament, people are gonna freak out because there's so many things to change that how do we, and then we came up with a plan that slowly we put things in. And it looks like um, uh, Omar tournament, the first tournament of that year, 2009, he was the first one that we did like a free registration. Uh, we still got people at the door. Like that was still, because people don't know. They didn't know at the time. We were like, no, there was a, now they are at the door with money there. They want to compete. We're like, uh, like, okay, you know what? Let's, let's do this. Let's, let's take it. Let's make it happen. Then everyone is happy. 
right? Mm -hmm. So we introduce um, uh, pre-registration at Omar's tournament. Then George came with the second tournament of the year. And that one, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, that was just pre, and you guys know how George is. Like, he's like, a, like, you gotta follow the rule or you. Yeah. So he put pre-registration open. That was, and that was it. There's nobody, don't even try to sign up at the board. <laughs> this is not Pre-register or uh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Experience that he brought from Brazil of helping the 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 the, the Brazilian yeah, right? Like uh, I was like uh, I was looking already, like I was going to to the IBJJF tournaments, and I had an idea of of what I was gonna do, right? And then I think we all combined as a group. We had like everyone should be like taking the credits for for what happened with the tournament like uh, if i was doing everything alone i don't think that would happen what we have today if it was mm -hmm. just george or just tony or just omar i think of the combination of everything at all the tournaments i was ref i was doing the brackets before the tournament running with the brackets back and forth the helping people and being referee and and doing everything at the time but then one day I just I say Tony I wanna I wanna do my tournament too right and that was like a 2009 when I when I first ran the Ontario Open and that was uh, very influenced by what you mentioned like the IBJJF like a lot of tournaments that you watched in Brazil well tournaments that I watch and seeing the guys running the tournaments local too right like I'm seeing everything that I don't like uh, and how can I change to make like a better tournament, but instead of changing for my tournament, we all sat as a group and I said, let's make all the tournaments better. It can't, it can't just be my tournament. It doesn't make any sense. Like we all get better as a group or, or otherwise it doesn't make sense. So the um, last one that just happened, so 2019, no, sorry, 2018, when we went to Oshawa, that was the first time you really went had the big arena style tournament. Last year, yeah, 2019, right? So this year didn't this year. Okay, sorry, yeah. So last year, 2019 was the year that we moved into a big like a hockey arena. Um, we used to do at the Brantford Soccer Center. Yeah. Then 2018, we had. Uh, the Brampton Soccer Center. Yeah, the in, I think the International Center. I think international. It yeah, it was international. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that was the year that the the Brampton Soccer Center. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Yep. Everything got frozen. 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 Okay. So 2018, we supposed to be at the Brampton Soccer Center, and they they double booked us. So now. Three or four months before the event, I get an email saying that if I could do the week before or the week after, I'm like, uh, no, I can't. And, and then now I'm three months. I'm already, the registration is already open. And I'm three months before the tournament. And I don't have a place to go. So I don't have a venue. So 
We got the international center. Uh, place was huge, but honestly, it's not. It is not a place that that's for like an event like ours. So it was probably one of the worst like uh, shows I have done. Uh, we had lots of complaints. We fixed everything, and I decided, you know what? For next year, I'm gonna go really, really. I'm gonna go massive. I gotta do something that that was never done before in Canada. And I went out of my way. We got the we got the the Oshawa Center, like the, the GM Center there. And and it probably was the best event we ever done. It was just awesome. I remember that it was awesome. And uh, I want to ask you: better, worse city, Oshawa or Brampton? Before everybody starts jumping on me for ripping on Brampton, I'm also from Brampton. Yeah, Unfor unfortunately. I can't like I can't really say anything. Like I'm not I'm not from anyone. Like I'm. An, I'm hold, hold on. Nobody goes to Brampton unless they actually need to. Yeah. So probably that's the first one. <laughs> so it's funny because I've been hating on Brampton lately because in Peel, so it's like when they have the COVID cases come out and all that kind of jazz. So it's like we couldn't move into stage two because of Brampton. And Brampton <laughs> always had higher cases than fucking Peel. It was like Peel has six, but Brampton has <laughs> Brampton, can you get your shit together so me and Aaron can go back to work? Yeah, the, lo the love of God. Now, did it, um, did it, now everything moved to stage two, right? So everything is in stage two now. Everything, everything is stage it, two. Yeah, yeah, correct. But now apparently uh, tomorrow the tomorrow, government's going to announce plans for stage three. Stage three tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, but it's going to be like regional, most likely. Yeah. Brampton will have its own stage. So, It'll go back to stage zero. Yeah. yeah, so GTA will probably be like, yeah, most likely. But GTA, um, GTA I said GTA will be in stage three. Brampton will be in stage zero. Yeah, so. we'll step it back then. COVID actually improved the entire city. <laughs> Now, I want to I want to change gears here. Now, your current affiliation is uh, with with Cicero Costa. Um, how did that relationship come to be? And when was the first time you visited? Probably one of the uh, the, the the biggest kept secrets in Brazil. Uh, well, it was again part of a part of getting my academy better, right? Like um, I was just trying to find a way on how can I how can I improve my my competition team like what can I do to improve my competition team and that's when uh, I came up with the idea of just going to Brazil and um, it wasn't at the beginning I wasn't really thinking on an affiliation or something it just it happened like a natural like I was just thinking, okay, how can I, how can I get some people to bring here, and help me, like a competitors wise? How can I get them here to help me with the classes? And um, I was like, um, 
I had everything ready. I was everything. Everything was good to go with uh, Alliance One, one of a big name from Alliance, and me and him, we were we were done already in terms of like a, how it's gonna work, how long you are gonna stay here, and he just told me, okay, now that we are all good, you gotta go talk to. Because he's just gonna tell you, yeah, he's good to go or whatever he's gonna tell. And when I talked to Gurgel, was just like a, not what I had talked to this with the guy that I first talked to be here. Like now, Fabio Gurgel wants us to be affiliated. Everyone gotta wear the alliance uniform, blah blah blah, all the affiliation process. And I'm like, no, this is that wasn't my plan. My plan is how can I help someone from Brazil to be here and have access, easy access to go to all the tournaments, fans, euros. And at the same time, he helps me to build my next generation of, of competitors, right? But they wanted all or nothing. So I said, you know what? Just just forget it. And at the same time that I talked to Gurgel about this, uh, was just a couple months later, I was in uh, California at Words. And I'm watching these guys fight. And then I'm watching like a bunch of guys from uh, from Cicero Costa just making the final. And just I saw and I saw Talison. Just saw a bunch of the guys just like I'm like oh these guys are they have there's something different, right? Like I really I really like. Um, and at that time, there was a guy that was competing with one of my students at that time, Michael, Michael Sheehan. He probably lost, I don't know if it was like a two fights to the same guy or three fight, two, two or three tournaments to the same person, to uh, Italo. Uh, and I said, you know what, let me go talk to Italo. And then I'm talking to Italo, I say, hey Italo, can you, Hook me up with Cicero. And that man, there was so, he was the easiest thing ever. Like the mentality that I have here, the mentality that he has is like, was a perfect match. Right? I talked to him and he's like, no, like we don't need this affiliation. Like, I don't care about this. I only care about the kids. If the kids are being taken care of, like, I'm, I don't mind. I don't care. Just take care of the kids. Right? And that was a Italo Moro that you were talking to, correct? Exactly, right? Yeah. Like I end up, I never really brought him here at that time. I think he was at Unity already. Uh, I end up bringing some different uh, different kids from Brazil, but and then I went back to Cicero and I said, "Look, I don't think um, I don't think it's fair that I I get your guys." to come here and help me and I'm not giving anything in return. But I'm, I'm like, why don't we do like an affiliation kind of thing? And every time that we compete at the IBJJF, my whole entire team, we compete at Cicero Costa. 
when I'm competing local there in, in Ontario, let me compete with my name. But if we are competing at any IBJJF event, Abu Dhabi event, like we all compete at Cicero Costa. And he's like, yeah, man, I'm, I'm down. And then at the same time, I said, look, what I will do as well, because I think you got to get some money, right? On top of that, I'll bring you like a once per year, I'll bring you to Canada, whatever it's your, whatever it's your fee for a seminar, I'm just going to pay you for a seminar and you come and you do a, uh, do a seminar in my, in my academy and you're good. And he's like, okay, I'm all good to go. So, is it good, so just right from the beginning, like you talking to Cicero Costa, you just clicked immediately. It was just like a nice match, you know what I mean? Like a, there isn't like a, any crazy things like, oh, you got to wear the uniform, you got to do this, the match, gotta, you got to have the logo here, this and that. I'm like, a, this is not what I'm looking at. I'm, I, don't, I, have a, I don't have that old style mentality of... The, the loyalty and this and I'm like a um, affiliation fees and this and that gotta work like I have no problem of paying for the things that I do like as far as I'm getting something back you know what I mean like so um, it was like a good like a good match so like I'm very happy to to be representing the, your team like when we when we compete the open tournaments uh, yeah, super, super happy, and I'm happy with the results that the kids that are coming from Brazil here, they're helping us to build the team. Very nice. Um, I want to actually ask you about your first training session at Cicero Costa headquarters in Sao Paulo. How did that go? Did you, did you, uh, did you, did you scrape everybody? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> someone could be was go to Brazil and go to their purple belt competition team. So there is a class that's just for purple belts. And they, those are the competition team. It's not the regular class. It's just like, like purple, purple, purple belt and up. So like purple, brown, black. Not purple, brown, black. Just purple belt. Just purple. Just, just purple. Wow. So, I, so I, get, I get there and I want to go train right away. I'm like, bro, I'm not waiting until the brown and black. I want to do this class now. I thought it was going to be a little bit easier. I'm like, I'm not going to go to the brown and black belt because those guys are going to kill me. So I decided <laughs> the purple belt. <laughs> I have ever done in my life because the kids that they're purple belt, they see a black belt. They don't care that you are old. They don't give. They don't. They don't care. They just want to fucking kill you. All they want to see is like how many times and how fast can I tap these guys? And I got, like I got literally, I got destroyed for like a two hours. There is only one kid. That was like a light feather purple belt. The kid was literally like 135 pounds. He's like the size of your leg. Pretty much. <laughs> there was only this kid that did not tap me. And I was just <laughs> calling him out. I didn't do anything. Like everybody else was just like uh, trying to murder me. 
Then, then the next day, I said, okay, now I know I should have not been in that class. <laughs> the guys tell me, go to the brown and black belt. I'm like, bro, like I got killed in the first like, What's going to happen to me on the brown and black? Like, I, so, so I wanted to ask you about that. Um, did you decide to go to the blue belt class? Did you go to the orange belt class, the yellow belt class? Like, how... Like, where did you go? The blue belts are as good as the purple belts. Yeah. They are as good as the, like, so the best thing was to go to the brown and black because they, like, they know that you are older and, like, uh, they are not going to rush you. They, and they, they're, a lot of them, they're all black belts. They, they have nothing to win tapping another black belt. But the purple belts, they have everything to win tapping the black belt. Yeah. Like, that's all they always dream, right? Okay. They just see a black belt, they're like, eh. Yeah, they I was in class and I look to the side and people are like, oh, I'm next. I'm next with you. I'm like, buddy, I have like 30 people next already. Like, I have a lineup. <laughs> I'm like, what's going on? I've never been here. Why is everyone wants to follow? Like, I, I don't, like, I'm just like a... Guys, piece so, of meat. You're right. just a piece of meat. There. Like I was like, oh my god! And then at the end of the class, I figured out that's what they want, right? They just want to fucking a black belt. They want to attack a black belt. They don't care. I think um, I think you would probably agree in uh, your evolution of a competition really? team. This is uh, making that move and ha and having that. I guess you could say it's a partnership with Zero Cross. That's probably been the biggest thing for your competition team, though. Correct? It didn't help. Like a. Uh, Honestly, like I can't say that was just that. Like, um, since we opened Action and Reaction, like we were a club that we started from scratch, right? So there was, there are still lots of big teams in Ontario, like uh, uh, Toronto BJJ, Grisio Maita, Team Renzo, like Ascension, Body of Four. Like there are lot Gracie Baja, BTT. There are lots of big teams out there and they they are there even before i think out of all those teams like i'm like a new guy like we are the newest like academy out of all the other academies in ontario right so so it's not that really that that definitely helped a lot but again it was what we talked to before like you gotta have you gotta have a system you gotta the way that I believe is like a drills and, and systems, that combination. And then of course, now I'm bringing some guys that they are, they are killers and they are just pushing those guys. At the end of the day, there is, a, there is only that much that I can push my guys to get better in, in rolling. Like I don't have a, the body like that. I'm, I'm 48. Right? So there is only that much that I can do to push like a high level athlete in training. I could push him with the mentality of the drills, of the system, everything else, but I can beat that guy up. That the reality, that's the reality. Like I if a guy wants to be like a purple belt world champion, like he needs to just destroy me. He's got to be destroying me in a, in a training session. 
Otherwise, this guy is not going to be a, a, a purple belt world champion. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, that's the, like a brown belt should be doing whatever he wants to do with me. That's the reality. Like, I don't have the strength. I don't have the flexibility, right? It is, it is tough. Like, I push. I train as hard as I can. I try my best. But... It's, it's, a di it's, it's a different level being 48 versus somebody who's like 18, 19 years old. Just all they do is train. And let's, let's be honest, like I could be taking advantage of substances and the only thing I eat is just like a coffee and donuts. Okay? <laughs> and, 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 bur and burrito boys. And burrito boys. Burrito, yes. <laughs> Burritos are, are the big ones. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I like the competition team. Like I really, I really have like a good time spending time with them, training, going to the tournament. Something that I really, I really have fun. Amazing. So especially as you kind of look, um, obviously the clubs are starting to slowly open up. Kind of like, what's the kind of future that you've kind of set out for yourself, and especially for like action reaction moving forward. Like we're gonna go, we gotta go on on month by month here. Like um, we can't really make too many plans. We have no idea what's gonna what's gonna happen with this whole COVID thing, right? Like I'm glad that we can reopen and we can train to some sort of potential here. Uh, and let's hope that a couple weeks, two, three, four weeks. The numbers keep going down. Uh, they lift some restrictions, and now we can we can have more people just pairing up, having more like a bigger groups until the the point that we can train the way we were training before, right? But it is really hard to make any sort of plan. Like we don't even know when we're gonna have the next competition. So like a how, mm -hmm. like a, there mm -hmm. isn't like a plan for the competition team if there is no if there is no competition. Uh, exactly, it's, you got to take it one step at a time because you don't know what's going to be happening one month from now, three months from now, let's, six months let's from now. Take this month and let's train. We're open and we, we're training a little bit. Let's go, let's do this month, the next month. Let's see what, uh, what the restrictions will be and go on a month by month. Next. Uh, one more thing I wanted to ask uh, is our last question this evening. Um, the last time Aaron went to your gym at Action Reaction, you ducked him training and you didn't want to roll with him because he didn't I want that smoke. You. And I think, I think, hold on. I think he used the word, you're gonna have to translate this for me. I think he called you a Pusatanji. Can you translate what that means? I don't <laughs> For our viewers at home. I'm trying Brazil. to remember when the last time I went there. <laughs> I don't remember the last time I went to my gym. And, and That's I the problem. I don't think it happened. Someone. I don't, I don't duck, I don't duck anyone in training. I don't. I'm probably the one that's competing every time. I compete tournaments that I should not be competing, but I'm I'm there. Like I'm an idiot, pretty much. No, you you compete everywhere. You've had tons of tournaments and accolades. Yes. But can, but can you translate what that word means for our viewers? No, I can't. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll have it in a, in a edit in an after dark uh, version of this. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so um, 
we're gonna we're just gonna wrap up now. I wanted to first off from me and Aaron, we want to thank you for coming on, uh, spending our spending your evening with us. And uh, do you have any um, closing remarks for us? Any sponsors to shout out? Uh, my my sponsor lately has been Justin Trudeau, so I really want to thank you for <laughs> sponsoring my life. <laughs> <laughs> big 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 boa to justin trudeau big boa, big boa. Trudeau. you are not gonna get my vote next time but man that's a big boa thanks for helping me out because otherwise i would be in trouble <laughs> amazing well no fernando i want to thank you very much i do appreciate you coming on come back but before coming you, got, back, you need to get like a better internet I don't know what fucking happened. I don't know what happened. We're trying to run a podcast here. You're recording with a potato. What's going on? We're definitely, we want to come out to action reaction again when all this uh, dies down a little bit more. And then maybe we'll do another podcast in person, maybe with better internet. Exactly. Or we do either in person or we do like pigeons with like a, putting a message on there. Your feet is going to be better than the internet that Aaron has. <laughs> it's it's going to be the styrofoam cup uh, from my tree house to yours. That'll, that'll actually get a better connection than what Aaron has right now. Aaron, just, just stop talking. All right, Fernando, Fernando yeah. thank, thank you for coming on tonight. We appreciate you having you thank on you and your time. And we want to have you on again, uh, hopefully soon and in person. And you can bring up some orange belts from Brazil to beat me and Aaron up. I will do that. Big Thank you very much. Thank you.